0: Looking forward to this series in this year of working through Colossians. Last year, we studied the narratives, and so we were looking at large sections of Scripture. And this this kind of sermon, uh, the sermons that you're going to be hearing, are going to be different in, in the sense that there's going to be very uh, small scriptures, very small portions of Scripture that we're going to we're going to be looking at. And I'm really looking forward to it. You know, in any given week, uh, our church family experiences uh, life, uh, the good and the bad. It, it may be something within our family of faith. It may be that someone has, you know, experienced uh, the, the, the joy of uh, an engagement or the announcement of a birth, or uh, maybe there's been a promotion or a new opportunity. On the other hand, there are weeks and times, and just about every week, when we hear of death and we hear of marital strife, Families falling apart in pain. And we all go through these things. This is life. This is this is what happens in a fallen world. And there are still good things, but there are a lot of hard things. Now, how do you interpret those things? Everyone has an authority that they look to that they look through it to that kind of tells them what they are to think about what is happening to them in their life. There are some who are really governed by their, their feelings. How do, you, how do you feel about something at any given moment? Some are governed by what culture says or maybe what an authority figure says, another person. I would encourage you to be governed by the authority of Scripture. To let the Bible tell you what's happening. To seek to understand yourself and your life through the lens of Scripture. You're going to go through things. Some are good, some are bad. And there are going to be times when you're going to go through these things, and within seconds of going through it, you're going to have a sense that this was God's divine purpose. I get it. Sometimes you'll go through things, good things, bad things. And it takes weeks, months, well, sometimes years, for you get to that place where you say, okay, Lord, I get it. I get why this had to happen. Please understand there will be some things you will go through that you won't get until you are face to face with Jesus. But the Bible says that in that moment you'll get it and you will be glad. Friends, Scripture tells us that God has a divine purpose for all things. But our God is not this transcendent being that is uh, other, so far other than us that He has no contact. No, no, no. God is both transcendent, that is over all things, and He's, in it. he's right there in the midst of it. He's working. It. And what, what we want to do in this series is we're beginning Colossians. We want to we want to figure out what that means and what it looks like in the, in the real world. And so there are some there are some foundational scriptures that I, I want you to have that you're processing as I'm preaching through this, this first series this month. The, the, the first one is this. If you got your Bible, I hope you do. Turn over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 16. You're, you're not going to fully understand this verse, uh, but you can sort of get it, and that's what I'm hoping will happen, is that you'll get the thrust of it. Not that you'll understand how, but that you'll get the thrust of it. Again, this is fundamental to, to this series. Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen says, "Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them." God has already written your story. Now you're going to make millions of decisions in your lifetime, and you're responsible for every single one of them. But God is sovereignly working His divine purpose for you, in you, through you that, that has a divine purpose. And I want you to get that. I, I don't understand how. I just know it's true. Another verse. Go to the New Testament and go to Ephesians chapter 2. So that's Psalm 139, 16. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. similar and at, at the point. It says this. For we are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. God has a plan for everything that we walk through. God has a purpose. It was, it was formed beforehand. I want you to think about what it is that has led you to sit in the seat you are in and be the person you are right now. First of all, why in the world are you in Bowling Green, Kentucky? How did you get here? I can assure you, it wasn't just your decisions. It was the decisions of your ancestors. Thousands of decisions. Decisions that they were made that, that they made. That were made for them. Why do you wear what you wear? Think about it. Because some, Yahoo created the idea of what you're wearing right now. Some of you are strangling yourselves on ties right now. And good for you. Great. Right. Some of you are getting in your life why? Because they, there were decisions that were made about clothing for, for, for hundreds of years now that have kind of gotten us to this point. Why do you eat what you eat? I mean you ate some stuff probably this morning. Why that? Well because there's been thousands of decisions made over millennia now that have caused us to get to the place where we eat the stuff, we wear the stuff and we live in the places where we live right now. All of that is under God's divine purpose. You are not an accident. You are a divine purpose. And God has a divine purpose for you. And that's what I'm hoping that we're going to sense as we walk through these scriptures over the next couple of weeks. And what we're going to focus on today is the fact that each of us has has a, a set of roles and key relationships that we are to work within to accomplish God's divine purpose. Now, if you don't mind, let's now go to our text for today. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Colossians 1, verse 1. Lucy's going to read for Come on up, sweet girl. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, I know the text is small. It's, it's, it's bigger than you think. I know the reader is small, but you can't take her. All right? Rule of thumb, never mess with a curly headed redhead. Okay, sweetie, so, are you ready? All right, so you're going to read verse 1, chapter 1. Paul, oh, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and the our brother. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would go and be seated. Okay, so what's what's Colossians about? All right, we got to get a little background now. I'm going to pack this over the next few weeks. So if you miss, you're going to miss something significant because every single word, every single phrase has has great meaning. There's a lot going on. So let's understand what's going on. So uh, Colossians, uh is here, and when you think of here's the Mediterranean, Jerusalem, Caesarea. Colossi is in modern Turkey, and it's about 150 miles from Ephesus, and so this is that area kind of blown up. Around 53-55 AD, the Apostle Paul was preaching in Ephesus for three years, and during that time, a man by the name of Paprus, who we will study more later, and has mentioned again, came to Ephesus and heard the gospel and was saved. And he went back to Colossae and he told them uh, about the gospel, and many believed and a church was formed. The Apostle Paul, that we know of, never visited Colossae, but he wrote a letter there. When did he write the letter? During his Roman imprisonment. And so, what we know is that Papyrus came from Colossae to Rome and told Paul that the church was in trouble. There were some personalities that had come in that were telling half-truths, and there were some doctrinal uh, things that were being distributed amongst the people that were not true. And so Epaphras is concerned about this church, and so he went to be with Paul, and then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, while he's in prison, Paul penned this letter. This letter is God's Word. Paul was inspired by God to write this Word, and these words are the words of God. And there's not... One single wasted word, as, as you will see, I pray, in our text today as we unpack it. Understand that, that God has a destined purpose for all of us. God created us for a that's, that's a very simple reason. Humanity has a purpose. What's the purpose of humanity? It's very simple. Just go and that for me. The purpose of humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. In and of ourselves, we can't do that. We can't do that in and of ourselves because, in and of ourselves, we are sinners and we're trapped in sin and we have a brokenness that keeps us from God. That's not the way God designed it. God's design was harmony. But we sinned, and in our sin, we have created brokenness. And that's what we're living in right now is this broken world. We desire to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We desire to be worshipers. We're going to worship something. The question is what? Apart from the gospel, apart from Jesus Christ, we will never glorify God and enjoy Him. And so we will always be empty will never be fulfilled. But for those who believe in Jesus Christ and gain the life that He alone can give, we're free to recover and pursue God's design. We're free to be able to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And, And finding and fulfilling God's purpose for our life is one of the main ways we glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Please understand, it's a journey. Discovering God's purpose is a journey. And it's a journey of joy. And as you walk with the Lord, He reveals it to you. And as He reveals it to you, you glorify Him because you're in awe of Him. And you enjoy Him because of of what the experience brings. So today we want to see how to do that. How do we discover God's purpose for our life so, so that we are able to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? Three things I want you to see. First of all, we discover God's divine purpose in our roles and responsibilities as we, first of all, leverage our our own unique story. Everybody in this room has a unique story. Paul had a unique story. It's made up of all kinds of ingredients that made the man who he was. He was both a Roman citizen and a certified Jew. He was... uh, person person who could actually point to his Jewish heritage, he, he knew that he was a Benjamite. He, he was given by his parents because he spoke Roman and Jewish, two names. His Roman name was Paul. And that literally means small. It's funny, when he writes to the Church at Corinth, he talks about being small in stature. We don't know if he was little when he was born, and so they gave him the Roman name, small. But it was Paul. His Jewish name was Saul. Saul was, of course, the first king of Israel from the the tribe of Benjamin. And so here is this Benjamite who had been named Paul and Saul, and who was trained by Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was a very famous uh, Pharisee instructor that lived in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, you'll see his name mentioned in Acts chapter 5 and in Acts chapter 22. He had great influence, and he trained Paul. And one of the things that Gamaliel was known for was not only raising up very strong Pharisees, but those who had an acumen for understanding the Roman culture and philosophy. And so he was a philosopher who would develop an understanding of the Jewish faith. And so here is Paul, having been born a Roman Jew, trained by Gamaliel, which provided him the foundation of his own Jewish faith but the philosophy to be able to explain it. And, and, and what that meant for his life. Think about how all this prepared Paul. I mean, his, his Roman citizenship gave him, first of all, unique rights. So when he was arrested wrongly, And it was time for him to to be tried, rather than to fall under this false trial that had been developed by the Jewish leaders in Acts chapter 25. He appeals to Caesar. Only a Roman citizen could do that. So when Paul says, no, 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 I don't want to be tried by the people who are here. I want Caesar to try me, which, by the way, was a very dangerous thing. Most people lost their head literally in that process. But Paul had that right and he took it. Because he knew God had called him to take the gospel to the highest authorities in the world. And he was able to do that because of his Roman citizenship. He also had unique insights. He was able to explain Christ not only to Jews but to Greeks. Why? Because of Emilio. Because he was trained to be a Pharisee, but he was also trained with a Roman sense of things and able to speak philosophically. And so when he's writing to the Romans, which is our fundamental theological treatise, that, that's where we get most of our categories for our theology. He's writing to Jews there in Rome. He, he's able to do it so effectively and at the same time he can, can, accept, he, can he can deal with Athenians, he, he can deal with these philosophers and explain the gospel to both. He had unique insights because of who he was, because of his story. And he had a unique hope. In Acts chapter 9, he was intercepted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and it changed everything about him. He references that experience no less than five times in the New Testament because he's letting people know that this God had intervened in his life and changed him and called him to do what he is doing now. See, no one, no one is saved, and, and, and no one lives for God without a calling. Paul knew he was called, and he shared his story. We all have a unique story. Every person in this room has a unique story. And it's it's, it's important that that story be shared. God wants you to make known his goodness. He wants you to glorify him and enjoy him forever by letting people know your story and what God has done in your life. Now, as you do that, two things are going to happen to you. One, you're going to be humbled and the other thing is you're going to be encouraged. You will say what John Newton said about himself and what I find myself saying regularly. I am not what I ought to be.
1: I'm not what I want to be.
0: I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am. I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen? This is the way of the work of God. He transforms us because he has a divine purpose. And, and we discover that as we embrace this story, as we share our story, as we live in this story. God wants you to make your story known and to let other people know about Jesus and what he's done for your life. And, and that's a part of your calling. And like Paul, oh, we all have a unique calling, so write it down. We discover God's divine purpose and our roles and responsibilities as we leverage our unique calling. Paul says here, an apostle, by, I'm uh, sorry, Apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, I encourage you to do that. You get a sense of the way Paul saw himself. He saw himself as one abnormally born into the office of the apostleship. He saw himself as the least of all the apostles, and yet he wrote much of the New Testament. He did many miracles. He planted many churches. He had this confidence about him, And here's what he knew. He knew that he was living in God's will If you know you're in the middle of God's will, you can endure anything. You can suffer to the worst extent imaginable. you can succeed beyond your wildest dreams and be okay you know you're in the will of God. The Apostle Paul, he knew he was in God's will. How did he know? Because he knew knew God's word. You've heard me say this before. To know God's word enables you to know God's way, which allows you to walk in God's will. If you do not know his word, you do not know his way, you will not be in his will. Paul knew he was in God's will. He knew he was doing what he was called to do, and so that enabled him to face anything. Everything Paul faced, he knew this is God's will. Think about the confidence that brings to a soul who can suffer as badly as Paul did, and know this is God's will. Everything he was, he knew, was by God's will. Everything he did, he knew it was by God's will. See, we are all called, and we have to discover that call, and and we have to experience that call. And there's three things that will happen when you do that. Write down these three words. The first thing that will happen is there's confirmation within your own heart and mind. You begin to do something that God's called you to do, and when you do it, there's something that clicks in you and says, yes, this is it. I can do this. This makes sense to me. Not only is it confirmed, but it is also affirmed. Other people say, Hey, I think God wants you to do this. You do this well. It seems that God is showing you favor. You seem to be effective at this. Or they say, Please stop doing that. That's bad. You know, I, uh, I have guys come and talk with me from time to time, and then they say, You know, I think God's calling me to preach. And typically, the first thing I tell them to do is go work with middle school students. Because middle schoolers you, stuff. Here's what I found about middle schoolers, and I've seen this happen. Guys uh, prepared for hours. They come and they teach and they crack stock bubbles and they're fired up. And when they're done, child raises his hand and says, Yes. Child says, You're terrible at this, you should do something else. I saw that happen once. It was funny but sad, you know, all at the same kind of time. But at least he knows now, right? Middle schoolers have a way of letting you know what's going on. And that's a blessing. It keeps you from wasting your time. So if you're looking for a confirmation to preach, go talk to middle schoolers. They'll let you know. Affirmation, confirmation. As you're doing it, you sense it, other sense it. And then the third word is energizing. You're energized when you're doing it. You sense God strengthened you. The apostle Paul, he was called to live and to do hard things, but he knew he was always in God's will. How? Because there was confirmation, affirmation, and energy by the Spirit of God as he was doing it. God has a calling on your life. The only way you're going to figure out what it is is to do it. And that requires relationships. That's the third thing. We discover God's divine purpose in our roles and responsibilities as we leverage our unique relationships. So the letter begins, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy had a unique relationship with the apostle Paul, and I think it's because they were so similar. Where, where Paul had a Greek and, and uh, I'm sorry, a Roman and Jewish heritage, so did so did Timothy. Timothy's mama was Jewish, and his daddy was, uh, was a Greek. And so Paul and, and Timothy had this unique understanding of a worldview where they could talk about a Jewish heritage in light of a Greco-Roman philosophy. And so these guys just kind of hit it off. But what's interesting is how Timothy was so relational. Whenever you read uh, in the scriptures uh, uh, a letter to Timothy or about Timothy, it's almost always relational. I mean, look at our text today. Timothy, our brother. Paul is talking about him in light of his relationship. And when Paul would would write about him or or talk to him, he would often talk about him being a loving and faithful member of the family of God, of being like a son to Paul, of being concerned about others like a parent or sibling would be. Timothy's life was all about relationships. If you're a Christian, God is calling you to relationships. He's calling you to be a mentor and to be mentored. He's calling you to specific tasks. He's calling you to be in friendships and family where you're committed no matter what. Christians are called to love each other no matter what. That means when it gets hard, that's when you believe in the most, not back. That's why you see in Paul's letters to Timothy, he, he, he chastises him. He tells him all the time quit like a baby. Don't worry about it if you're younger than everybody else. You've been called by the Spirit of God. Quit being so timid. Do your job, man. Come on, son. And you just see it. And, and, and the apostle, he loved him. And what's he saying? Timothy, quit backing out feeling sorry for yourself. Quit making excuses. Do what you're called to do. You need relationships with people that will be that lovingly honest with you. You don't have them, you're self-deceived. You need people who love you enough to tell you the hard truth that you don't want to hear, they don't want to say, but they love you enough to correct you. This is where Timothy was. He had this relationship with Paul. And he reminds us that all of this is happening in relationships. And I I want to challenge you today, guys, embrace your story. Learn your calling. Build relationships. And understand there's divine purpose in it all. I don't know if you noticed this earlier. Who likes cake? Yes, yes don't like cake, know that there might be something wrong with you. I'm not judging you, I'm just saying, there just might be. Cakes are funny. Huh? We, we've been watching this show on TV, uh, the uh, the British baking show. Anybody else watching this show, don't start if you have because it, it's addictive, okay? I mean, I don't even like this stuff, and I, I can't wait to see who wins. Cakes are weird. They're made of all kinds of stuff. Everything that, that this cake is made up. Is made what this cake is. I mean, there's there's sugar, there's flour, there's butter, there's eggs, and all of these ingredients are put together, and then they're heated, and they make this. Everything about you is an ingredient that God put together to make you. You know, this cake. They they tell me has a pound of sugar in it. you think it would taste different if there was a pound of salt? Sounds like a good joke to me. You know, we, we also get to choose what goes in our life. We're not victims. We have a sovereign God, and we have choices that have responsibilities. And You can choose to fill your life with the sweetness of Christ or the bitterness of salt in this world, and it will determine the outcome of who you are responsibility for your life and understand that everything that has happened has been brought together has has brought you and made you for god's divine purpose you know think about think about how uh, well, they take those together think about um, cases I understand. you, you got to break some eggs to make them you know to, to make you god probably had to break some things that were real important to you god probably had to break a few dreams a few ideas poured out. Create something different out of it. Have you ever noticed that almost all cakes have a purpose? I mean, think about it. How many different kinds of cakes are there? There's birthday cake, right? There's anniversary cake. You know, you walk into an office and you see a cake, the first thing is, what's going on? What are we celebrating? Because these cakes have a purpose. You have a divine purpose and all the ingredients have been put together by God and He's added heat, real life, to form you into who you are sitting there right now. Now the question you need to be asking yourself is, am I fulfilling my divine purpose? Am I really sharing my story? Am I really engaged in my calling? relationally connected. And here's what many of you do. You dismiss yourself. You let yourself off the hook. And you say, oh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that gifted. I'm not that important. I, I'm just, you know, I'm just a person who's here. I'm just, a you see, I'm just tell you enough. You're extremely important. Your story is extremely important. You are needed. We need your story. We need your life. We need you connected. We need you engaged. This is bigger than you. God's divine purpose is important. Get in. Get on with it. Have your cake and be it. But please stop making excuses. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Look, I know some of you are going through some hard stuff. You've been through some hard stuff. God has a purpose for it. You. you may not understand it right now, it may not be until heaven. But I promise you this the Word teaches when you get it, you will you to do today is to say, God, I don't get it right now, but here's what I'm going to do. By faith, I'm just going to agree that this is that, and that this is a part of my story, and now I can share my story of what you're doing. Some of you are wrestling with a calling. You've been sitting on the bench long enough. It's time to get in, to get rooted, to get involved, to start doing what God made you to do. Stop making excuses and do it. And understand it's going to be messy. Making cakes is messy. Making lives that fulfill God's divine purpose messy. is messy because it's relational, it involves you with other people. time stop, stop making excuses and start getting on with what God's made you to be. Get on your knees and ask God to reveal and enable you to fulfill His divine purpose. Let's pray together. Let's stand together as we do. Word. I thank you for the truth, for clarity. God, I pray for people who are here right now, Lord, that they've been hurt or they've caused hurt. That they've made some decisions they're, they're not proud of. Some decisions were made that hurt them. Lord, I pray today they can come to you and say, Lord, I, I don't get why this. Happened or why I did this, but here's what I want to do. I just want to trust you that you have divine purpose for it. Lord, I pray for some today who, who, have, who have been given not only gifts but so many opportunities and abilities. I pray that they would be humbled today by the fact that everything that's good in their life, that it comes from your gracious hand. They would stop wasting it. God, I pray for marriages today that need to be renewed, for relationships that need to be strengthened, for lives that need to step up and say, Lord, I'm I'm with you. I'm going to fulfill your divine purpose. And many of us know, Lord, people that are hurting today, and they need our prayers, and maybe that's why we're here today, is to pray for them. So, Lord, we have this moment to reflect on our desperate need of, of your leadership in our life. And we can ask you to do miracles, and so we pray that you will. Come and praise, we sing.